Take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, and we'll begin reading in verse 1, reading four verses. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for this good day. We thank you for everyone who's come to the service. And I pray, Lord, that you might make it beneficial to us today as we hear the word of God. I pray that we as God's soldiers will be strengthened and encouraged for the fight that we have every day in the Lord's army. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege to know you. But we know there's a possibility, Lord, that someone in the congregation today has never trusted Christ as their Savior. If that be true, I pray that today would be the day that that person comes to genuine faith in Jesus, that they might call on him who who died for them, that they might be saved. They might believe what he did for you on for them on the cross of Calvary. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege to share this message, give enablement to bring it. May your will be done in each life, and we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we honor our veterans because we appreciate their service to our country. At the founding of our country, our soldiers fought to make us free. And since that time, they have fought or been ready to fight in order to keep us free. Soldiers are necessary because we live in a world that's, that's where war or the threat of war it takes place every day somewhere. Men and women in our country have been serving in, for our country in various uh, forces of our military, either the Army, the Navy, Marines, Air Force, Coast Guard, or National Guard. All are important to the defense of our country, and we honor them today and say, Thank you for your service. The concept of war all started when Lucifer rebelled against God and was cast out of heaven. Then he came down to earth and continued uh, his rebellion as he led Christians or led people to follow him and to rebel against God. That he influenced Adam and Eve to be a rebel against God and they became rebels against God. God pronounced judgment upon Satan because of his of his uh, tactics and his uh, sinning against the Lord and guaranteed his downfall when he said in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, And I will put enmity between the woman and between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Satan continues to be at war with God and he constantly influences people made in God's image to join that war. The age-old conflict has always been Satan against God and evil against good. We see it played out in the Bible. First of all, right after Adam and Eve's sin, it was their sons, and Cain killed Abel. Then after that, the earth became bad, and it just evil continued to increase, and the earth was filled with violence, And so that God had to destroy everything that lived on the earth except the family that trusted him, and that was one family, and it consisted of eight people 
Noah and his wife, his three children, and their, and their spouses. And so there were eight souls saved out of all the world. So the rebellion against God had really uh, peaked, and God had to deal with that finally and destroy all those that rebelled against him. After the flood, we find it didn't take long till we find the first mention of war in the Bible. That mention is in Genesis 14, verse 12, where two groups of kings warred against each other. And that's the first time war is mentioned in the Bible. After that, we find that totally in the Bible, war is mentioned 220 times. Warfare is mentioned five times. And battle is mentioned 170 times. The last event of the tribulation period will be a war. It'll be a war of of God, or of men against God. And so the Antichrist will lead all the nations of the world to assemble as many as he can, and he will get them to assemble, and they'll actually end up fighting against God, and God will destroy his enemies at that time. Then there's no more war. The Bible says the swords are turned into plowshares, so there's no war. There's no need of war during the millennial reign of Christ for 1,000 years. And then the Lord releases Satan from his, where he's been bound for a thousand years, and immediately he takes up the old conflict again, and he encourages people to follow him, and multitudes follow him, and there's that final battle on the earth at the end of the millennial kingdom where the Lord destroys all of his enemies. The spiritual battle that between God and Satan uh, always produces uh, some kind of physical battle. And we find that throughout the Bible. We mentioned Cain uh, against Abel. And then there's Pharaoh against Moses. And the Canaanites against Joshua. And the Midianites against Gideon. And the Philistines against Samson. And Goliath against David. And Ahab and Jezebel against Elijah. Haman against Esther and Mordecai. Nebuchadnezzar against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Darius the Mede against Daniel. The Jews and the Romans against Jesus and the unbelieving Jews against Paul. And so there's been that conflict down through the ages. Today, Satan is doing the same thing. He's still in conflict with the Lord. He's still at war with God. And he encourages people to be involved in that war. He's still engaged in that war against God and also against people made in the image of God. Therefore, we should not be surprised when we as Christians find that we are in a spiritual conflict. It's true that we're in a spiritual conflict. It will not be easy to live for Jesus because we live in enemy territory. The world is opposed to Jesus. We live in enemy territory. But we are assured of victory as we trust and obey the Lord. The Bible says that in in Romans chapter 8 verse 39 that we are more than conquerors. So there's this war between good and evil, between God and Satan. And, uh, and it's between us as Christians and Satan. But the Bible says we're going to win. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. He also tells us that we're triumphant in 2, Timothy, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. God always causes us to triumph in Christ. We're also called overseers in 1 John, overcomers, I mean, in 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 and 5. He says, whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. With that in mind... Let's consider then some things about God's soldiers. Now, today is Veterans Day. There are no living veterans in God's, in God's army. Uh, all veterans are in heaven. 
because all of us who are in the Lord's army, we're not veterans. We're active duty. We're all the time in this battle. And so the veterans in the Lord's spiritual battle are in heaven. And all of us are active duty soldiers. So what can we find out about God's soldiers? Let me list a few things we find from the scripture. First of all, in our text, 2 Timothy chapter 2, we find that God's soldiers are chosen by him. Now think of the significance of that. If you know Jesus as your Savior, you're, you're a soldier of Jesus Christ, and you have been chosen by God. Now, the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 1 that before the foundation of the earth, we were chosen in Him. Now, that doesn't mean that you were in Christ before the foundation of the world. In order to get in Christ, you had to come to faith in Jesus Christ. That's why Paul said, and as I pointed out in our study of Romans, in Romans chapter 16, Uh, He says that uh, there were two that were in Christ before him. They were relatives of him and of of his, and that is they were called kinsmen. In Romans 16, verse 7, he mentions them, Andronicus and Junia, and he says they were in Christ before me. And so the way you get in Christ is to trust Jesus as your personal Savior. And so when you're in Christ, then the Lord says you've been chosen by him. And so if you know the Lord as Savior, you can say, I am chosen by God. When God wanted someone in his army to be one of his soldiers, he chose you. You're chosen by God. Now, that's a lot different than it is to get in the army or another branch of the military today. There are certain, specific, or certain requirements to get in. I looked it up, and if you're a male, you have to be at least five feet tall. And you cannot be over six foot eight. So somebody over six foot eight cannot join the military. Also, if you're a female, you must be four foot eight inches tall. And you cannot be over six foot eight. Now, I've never met a six foot eight girl. But uh, that's what it said. You can't be over 80 inches, and that's six foot eight. Uh, You have to be between the age of 17 and 35. If you're under 18, if you're 17, you have to have parental permission. But 17 to 35, so I couldn't join the army today. I'm washed up, you might say. (laughs) But uh, you you, you have to be that age to join in in the army. Also, this might disqualify me and maybe some of of you, and that is you can only have 32% uh, body fat. 32% body fat, and so some of us would be probably uh, disqualified. Uh, you can't have any dependence on, non-prescri- on non-prescription prescription drugs or alcohol. You cannot be dependent upon that and join the military. You must have a high school diploma or a GED. You must be a, a U.S. citizen or a legal permanent resident. You cannot have bad credit. And you cannot have physical disabilities because physical disabilities might very well disqualify you. Now, you think of all those requirements to be in the military today. That's in the army. All those requirements, but what are God's requirements to be in his army, to be one of his soldiers? There's one requirement, and that is that you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You accept him as your personal savior. Aren't you glad of that? You can witness to a person who might be my stature, and they weigh uh, 300 pounds, that would tell you they're probably overweight. Does that keep them from being in God's army? No. 
You can talk to somebody in the hospital that's about ready to die and they don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And you can say to them, you know, you can trust the Lord as your Savior. And these last few hours or something, you can be a soldier of Jesus Christ. Now, you couldn't do that and go to the hospital and say, you want to join up in the army? You're laying here in bed sick. You're not going to live long, but you can join the army. No, you can't do that, but you can do it for somebody who wants to join God's army. They can be a soldier of Jesus Christ. You can have a disability. Maybe you're not able to walk. Maybe you can't see. Uh, Whatever it might be, you have a disability. Uh, That won't limit you from being in God's army. And you can be a soldier of Jesus Christ. And so God's requirement is faith in Jesus Christ. Think about it. The God of the universe has chosen us to be in his army. He's chosen us to be a soldier of Jesus Christ. And so God's God's soldiers are chosen by the Lord. And if you know the Lord is your Savior, you can say, thank you, Jesus. I'm a soldier of Jesus Christ. Also, God's soldiers are to teach others what they know about Jesus. Look at what it says in verse 2. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others. Paul is talking, he said, you've learned a lot from me about Jesus, about the way to heaven, about salvation and all the doctrines and all that. You've learned a lot from me. And he said, what you're to do as a soldier of Jesus Christ is you're to share that with other people so those other people can share it with somebody else. And so you, you are to be a teacher. And so if you're a soldier of Jesus Christ, you're also an instructor. Now, in, in the army today, there are people who are soldiers and there are people who are allowed to be instructors of soldiers But uh, not everybody that's a soldier can be an instructor. But if you're in the Lord's army, you are an instructor. You're a teacher. That's your responsibility is to teach others. And so that's a very important thing uh, to know that a soldier is a teacher. Also, God's soldiers are to endure hardness. The Bible makes that clear in this passage. Look at verse 3. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Is it easy to be a soldier in this world? No, it's not, because we're in enemy territory. And so it's not easy because we fight against certain things. You see, the devil makes it hard for a Christian to be a soldier. He does everything he can to make it hard. He uses three fronts that he attacks you from, three different fronts. You, this can come to you at any time. And that is, first of all, he, he uses the front of the world the hardness that comes from the world. You see, we live in the world, but we're not of the world. And the world is opposed to Jesus Christ. The Bible says it like this in 1 John chapter 5, verse 19. The world, the whole world lies in wickedness. The whole world lies in wickedness. Is it any surprise that we see all the wickedness that we have today? Is it any surprise that we have all this wickedness that's justified today and people are saying it's normal and it's right and we know it's wrong? No, we live in the world. And the Bible says the world lies in wickedness. Another thing about the world, the Bible says in John 15, verse 19, the world hates you. The world hates you. 
for what you stand for, the fact that you know Jesus as your Savior and you love Him and you don't want to sin and you say no to these things that are wrong and you stand up for Jesus and you share the gospel and you tell people it's the only way to heaven is to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. The Lord says you live in enemy territory and God says I want to remind you something, the world hates you. And so we have the hardness from the world because the world hates us. Also the Bible says in Romans chapter 12 that we're not to be conformed to this world. That means the world is trying to conform us so that we'll be like them. You see, the world doesn't like for you to be different. The world doesn't like for you to take stands that of what the Bible stands on and tells about how things are wrong and some things are right and some things are wrong and there's only one way to heaven. The, Lord, the world doesn't like that. And so they want to make you more like the world. They want to water down your faith and make you stand for less. And they want you to, to be like them. And because it's not a reproach when you're like them, but if you're not like them, it's a reproach to them. And so they want to conform you to the world. And the Lord says it's not easy because you are to, conf are you to fight that conformity. Be not conformed to this world. In fact, the Bible says in 1 John 2, verse 15, we are not to love the world. We're not to love the world. So the world hates us, and we are commanded not to love them. And so there's a conflict. And there's hardness that the devil brings to us from the world. But then there's hardness from another place, another front. And that is the front of the flesh. The Bible says our flesh is against the Lord. Our flesh is our sin nature. That's even though you're a Christian, there's sometimes you want to do something that's wrong. You're tempted to do something wrong. And you have to fight against that. That's your flesh. That's your sin nature. And you'll not get rid of that until you go to heaven. You'll have that sin nature all through this life. So there's that struggle with the sin nature. Paul expressed it in Romans chapter 7. He says, I find, find a struggle going on. What I want to do, I end up not doing. What I don't want to do, I end up doing. And he says, who shall deliver me from this? And he, his answer was, I thank God through Jesus Christ. But there's that struggle. So there's hardness of being a soldier for Jesus because there's a struggle from the flesh. I'll remind you of some things the Bible says about the flesh. In Romans chapter 7, verse 18, it, Paul said this, In our flesh dwells no good thing. In our flesh dwells no good thing. In Galatians chapter 5, he says we, we are not to fulfill the lust of the flesh. So God commands us, do not fulfill the lust of your flesh, your sin nature. Don't say yes to the flesh. Say no to the flesh. Deny the flesh all the time. And so that puts a struggle in there, and it makes it hard sometimes because of that. We're to keep under our body and bring it into subjection. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, and he says, I do that. I keep under my body, and I bring it into subjection. So there's a fight with the body, there's a fight with the flesh, and you have to keep it under and bring it into subjection and say no to it. And so that produces hardness for the Christian soldier because we're fighting against that front of the flesh. But then there's another front. There's the world, the flesh, and then there's the devil. The Bible says that he is our adversary who as a roaring lion walks about seeking whom he may devour. So that makes it hard because we have an adversary every day that wants to do, do something to us, and that is not to help us or improve us. He wants to tear us down. In fact, he wants to devour us. And so you can be a Christian for many years. You could be here today, and you're up in your 80s, and it's still true of you. 
the devil would love to destroy you. The devil would love to bring you down. And so he never quits in that desire. He's walking as a roaring lion, walking about seeking whom he may devour. But we're to stand against the wiles of the devil. The Bible says we, are to, we wrestle against not flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the wick, of, of the, of the, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. It's God's way of saying that we're in a spiritual battle, and uh, it's not just our flesh, it's not just the world. The devil and all of his forces, Satan and all of his demons are, are against us, and so that makes for the hardness of this battle. We're a soldier of Jesus Christ, and we are to endure that hardness. Yes, it's hard to be God's soldier, but we, we can face that fight with confidence because the Lord says this, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4 says, Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. We don't have to fall to the world, the flesh, or the devil, because greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. In fact, as far as the flesh is concerned, the Bible says in Galatians 5, 16, we're to walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You can have victory. Walk in the Spirit. Lead, uh, lean, uh, always do what the Spirit tells you, to yield to the Spirit. And as God convicts you and, and directs you, then yield to Him. And don't yield to the flesh. Don't live, yield to the world. Don't yield to the devil. And the Lord will give you victory. You can walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And as far as the devil, he's a great foe. Not great in, in a good way, but a bad way. He, in his power, he's, he's great in power, but nothing compared to Jesus. In fact, the Bible says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. You see, the devil's not afraid of me and he's not afraid of you. But he's afraid of God. And he's afraid of Jesus. And we resist the devil and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ and he has to run and he has to flee. He will flee from you because he cannot stand that. And so we don't have to be intimidated by the devil. We don't have to be intimidated by the world. We don't have to be intimidated by our flesh. We can be victorious. Even though the battle is hard, even though there's hardness as a soldier, we can win because the Lord will allow us to do that. Then there's another thing about God's soldiers. God's soldiers are to wear the proper armor. We're told that in Ephesians chapter 6. It's a very familiar passage, but I'd like for you to turn there with me and look in your Bibles. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 says we're to put on the whole armor of God. What is the whole armor of God? Well, it's listed in verses 13 to 18, and here is, here's the whole armor of God. Your loins are to be girt about with truth. That's, that's integrity. Operating on the, in the truth. Not telling lies, not deceiving people, being upright and, and uh, always telling the truth and living by the truth, being governed by the truth. And the Lord says your loins gird about with truth. It's like truth holds everything together. If you start dealing with lies, you're going to fall apart as, as a soldier of Jesus. You won't be as effective as you could. So tell the truth. And so our loins gird about with truth. And then having on the breastplate of righteousness... The Bible says in, in Timothy, in Titus chapter 2, that the grace of God teaches us that denying world, 
all worldliness and ungodliness and, and worldly lust. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. And so put on the, uh, the breastplate of righteousness. So that means living right, doing right, doing the right thing, saying no to sin and yes to Jesus. And that's living right. And so you always do the right thing, and it becomes like a breastplate of righteousness that, that protects all of your vital organs, the breastplate of righteousness. And then he says your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Our shoes are important. I had a friend in West Virginia, and he told me, Pastor, he said there's two things that you don't want to spare expense on, and that is a pair of shoes and a mattress. Because he said, all of your life spent, most of your life spent even either in those shoes or on that mattress. <laughs> and he said, don't buy cheap ones, buy good ones, because they're so important. That was good advice. That friend is with the Lord now. I look forward to seeing him as a godly man. And uh, I really appreciate his, his fellowship. But he said that it's very important to have good shoes. Well, the Bible says, our shoes should be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. God's soldiers are to wear certain shoes. That means we go about with the gospel. That means everywhere we go, we are able to tell people about Jesus. We're willing to tell people about Jesus. And so you share the gospel, ready to share the gospel all the time. Wherever you are, be ready to share the gospel. And then the shield of faith, by which you'll, which you'll quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Oh, how our young people need that today. Statistics tell us that a great percentage of young people, when they go off to college, lose their faith because it's the desire of those professors in most colleges and universities to tear down your faith. They do not love God. They do not love him at all. I thought it interesting the other day, I heard Ron DeSantis talking, and he said that he went to Yale. He said he had never been to a place where they criticized the United States, and he said they did it all the time. He said he had never been to a place where they just, they talked bad about God, and he said they did it all the time. And that's the, that's the uh, intent of these universities so many times, is to tear down your faith. And the Lord says you need a shield of faith. You need to know what you believe and know why you believe it, and it's because God tells us and God's word is true and not flinch on that. Be, be sure to believe the Lord and all that he teaches us in the scripture, the shield of faith. And with that, you'll quench the fiery darts of the wicked. The devil's out to get us, and the devil's out to tear us down, and you must continue to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. So a shield of faith, and then a helmet of salvation. That helmet is, of course, on your head. That, head, that helmet protects your thinking process, your brain. And so the Lord says you need to have a helmet of salvation. I believe that needs, means that in order to be an effective soldier, you have to know you're saved. I mean, if, you're not, if you don't have any assurance of that, if you have doubts of that, and you're not really sure if you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, you need to make sure. I mean, you need to make sure that your faith is in the Lord, and you're not dependent upon some little prayer you said one time ago, a long time ago, or you said something that some preacher told you to say. Know that you truly accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior because you came to realization of your sin 
and you came to the Lord in repentance and belief, and you called on him to save you, and you're trusting him and him only to be your savior. You must know that you're saved because the helmet of salvation is so very important in fighting for the Lord. And then there's a, an offensive, we- offensive weapon, and that's the sword of the Spirit. And that sword is the Word of God. So you must know the Word of God. This morning I was reading, as I read through my Bible every year, I do it in the morning. This morning I was reading from Acts chapter 7. And Acts chapter 7 is about Stephen. I always remember where that story about Stephen is because of S. Stephen was stoned, Acts chapter 7. <laughs> That's the way I remember it. So Acts chapter 7 is where the story of Stephen If you haven't read that recently, you should read that message. I mean, what a message Stephen preached. And uh, he wasn't uh, one of the apostles or anything like that. He was probably a deacon, and he preached this wonderful message, and it ended up they stoned him and killed him for it. But he preached this message and started from the beginning, went all the way up to Christ. What a wonderful message he preached. And you almost get the intent that Stephen knew it by heart. And he didn't have notes or anything like that. He just stood up there and he preached this message. And it's probably one of the best messages in the Bible. And uh, Stephen had the sword of the Spirit. And that sword of the Spirit cut those people to the heart. And they gnashed on him with their teeth. And they ended up stoning him because it convicted them so much. And the Lord says, we have the sword of the Spirit. And so as you fight as a soldier of Jesus Christ, you have one offensive weapon, and that is the Bible, the Word of God. You can't be a good soldier unless you know the Bible. You can't be a good soldier unless you have verses that you have memorized and you can bring to, bring to use at the time when it's needed. You can't be a good soldier unless you have a knowledge of the Word of God. And so we need, need to major on that and have the Word of God in our hearts and our minds. And so a soldier... God's soldiers have to have the proper armor. And then there's another thing I'd like to say about God's soldiers. God's soldiers are to please their commander. They're to please their commander. Turn back back with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. And notice what it says. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And then verse 4. No man that warreth entangle himself with affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Now, we've already mentioned some things about the soldier, but let me point this out as far as pleasing the Lord. I think there's a couple things here you'd have to say that that, uh, add to this about enduring hardness and all this we've mentioned that makes us a good soldier that pleases Jesus. The first one is this. We must remain humble. We must remain humble. A good soldier never becomes proud. He never shows off his medals. He never calls rank on somebody. He's a humble servant of Jesus Christ. I find that in verse 1. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in what? In the grace that is in Christ Jesus. You must remember, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve to be a soldier. This is grace. Only grace would allow me to be a soldier. James chapter 4, verse 6 says, God resisteth the proud. Notice this. God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. A person who realizes the grace of God 
there'll be a person who does not become proud. But if you start taking credit for everything and think, I'm really a good soldier, and look at all these medals I have, and look what I've done, then you're, you're not, you're not uh, humble, you're proud. But the Lord says, if you'll understand the grace of God, you remain humble. Only God's grace would allow a sinner, an enemy, to be a soldier. I mean, where does God get his soldiers? God gets his soldiers from the ranks of those who are his enemies. Isn't that a great thought? God gets his soldiers from the ranks of those who were his enemies. And every one of us are like that. God saved you though you did not deserve it. He changed you from an enemy to a friend. He changed you from a child of the devil to a child of the king. And the Lord, the Lord did that. And it's all because of him. The only reason we're soldiers is because of his grace. And you will not please the Lord if you become proud. Because God hates pride. And so to be pleasing to the Lord, you must remain humble. There's another thing too. To be pleasing to the Lord, you must stay focused on your calling. You see, responsibilities and opportunities in this life should never keep us from our main purpose, and that is to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. That's our main purpose. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who chose him to be a soldier. What does that mean? Entangle yourselves with the affairs of this life. That means the affairs, just the normal affairs of life, become a hindrance to you being a soldier of Jesus Christ. We all have things we have to do. We have responsibilities that we have to do. We have opportunities that come our way, and we take those opportunities sometimes. But never should you take an opportunity or fulfill a responsibility that you might have if it conflicts with you being a good soldier of Jesus Christ. That would mean that you do not say, well, I cannot be faithful to church because I have too much to do. If that's true, you have too much to do. And you're to be faithful to the Lord. I cannot be a witness for Jesus Christ because it might make some people upset if I tell them about Jesus and tell them there's only one way to heaven and tell them they're a sinner. It might make them upset. I can't be a witness for Christ because it might jeopardize my job. Or I can't be a witness for Christ because it might jeopardize my path to promotion. And you use those excuses and you're saying the affairs of this life, you become entangled in the affairs of this life and you can't be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. If you say, I cannot read my Bible because I just don't have the time. Can you imagine a soldier having a having a book that told him where he's supposed to go and what he's supposed to do and, and that, and he goes to, to the battle and he just throws the book away and says, I'll just go on what I think is best. No, you're supposed to follow commands. And a good soldier, Jesus Christ, spends time in his Bible because that's what a good soldier does. Or you might say this, I cannot tithe because I have too many bills to pay. How did you get too many bills to pay? Because we make choices that are contrary to what God wants us to do, and it limits our ability to give. God wants us to obey him. So a good soldier doesn't entangle himself in the affairs of this life. Remember, all Christians are God's soldiers. That means we can be a good soldier 
or a bad soldier. We can be a faithful soldier or an unfaithful soldier. We are soldiers on duty or we are soldiers, A-W-O-L, absent without leave. God will never give you leave as a soldier of Jesus Christ. He will not ever say, well, you can take a vacation from being a soldier. Just live the way you want, and you can pick up being a soldier later. No, the Lord says you're always a soldier. And we'll give an account to the Lord for us being a soldier. Then today, there might be someone here who's never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you're not God's soldiers, soldier, then you're serving Satan. There's no other way around it. If you're not in God's army, then you're in the devil's army. And you're God's enemy. And so if you want to be God's soldier and God's friend, then you must trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. What must you do? Well, the Bible says you must believe the gospel. Jesus died for our sins on the cross of Calvary. He took our place. He took what we deserve. And all the sin of the world was laid on Jesus. And he took all that for us. He paid the price for us. And then the Bible says he was buried. And three days later, he rose from the grave victorious. And it was proof that everything had been paid. All the sin of the world had been dealt with. And Jesus on the cross, in those three hours of of him experiencing being separated from the Father, at the end of that, he said, it's finished. That means it's all paid for. But does that mean you're saved? No. It means you can be saved because it's all paid. But there's something you have to do. And that is you must come to the Lord and realize you are a sinner and have a repentant attitude about that and believe that Jesus died for your sin on the cross of Calvary and you call out to him and trust him as your Savior, believing in his death, his burial, and his resurrection, and you trust him as your Savior. The Lord says you will be put in God's army and be God's soldier. I'd like to close with one other thing that God's soldiers should do. And God's soldiers are to remember how good their commander is. Remember how good your commander is. You see, we have the best commander, and that is God. You see, it's good to have a commander who knows what he's doing. God knows everything. He's all-knowing. He knows the enemy's tactics. He knows what he's going to do before he does it. He knows your thoughts. He knows all about you. He's all-knowing. He's also all-powerful. Nobody can defeat him. So we're following a commander who cannot be defeated. That's a wonderful thing. We're following a commander that's everywhere present. That means uh, if the enemy is planning something over there and we're not there yet, the Lord's there and he sees it and knows what's happening. He knows everything. He knows what's going on because he's everywhere present. We also have a commander who's long-suffering. If we've messed up as God's soldiers, the Lord says, I'm long-suffering. And the Lord will give you another chance. And he's forgiving. He says if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That is not a verse for unbelievers. That's a verse for Christians. And so a Christian, when they fail the Lord, what can they do? They can go to the Lord and say, Lord, I've failed. And the Lord says, I forgive you. Now get back on the battlefield. Go back to service. In the army, it doesn't happen that way. You might get thrown, thrown in, in, the, in the brig or whatever they call it. You might have to spend time. Maybe you'll never be able to serve again, but not in the Lord's army. The Lord says, I'll give you a second chance. And the Lord will forgive you 
and the Lord will restore you and make you a soldier. There might have been a period of your life when you're a Christian, but there's a period of life where you weren't living right. You can go to the Lord and ask him to forgive you, confess that to him, and he will forgive you, and he'll put you right back there in the ranks, and you can be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. We have a, soldier, we have a commander who's forgiving. We have a commander who will listen to us. You know, most times in, in the service, you have a commander. Well, for example, the president is a commander-in-chief. How many soldiers get to talk to the president? Not many. But we, as soldiers of Jesus Christ, get to go all the way to the top. And all we have to do is say, Lord, and he hears us. He hears everything we say. He's concerned about us. He wants us to talk to him. He says, you have not because you ask not. Why don't you come and talk to me? And we have the privilege of talking to the commander anytime we want to. And we also have a commander who provides all of our needs. There's never any God's soldiers out there doing the battle for him. And the Lord doesn't provide for them. He'll provide what we need. He promises to do it. And so we have a great commander. We're soldiers. Soldiers of Jesus Christ. It's a privilege, and I hope that all of you who trust Jesus Christ as your Savior realize that today, and will leave here today with a new zeal to serve the Lord and to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for helping us to share this message, Lord. I know it's very important for us to remember that we're soldiers Lord, it might be that some have come in here today feeling defeated. And I pray that they today will deal with whatever that's causing, that's, whatever is causing them that defeat. And if it's sin in their life, they'll just bow today and say, Lord, I confess this and I ask you to forgive me. And Lord, if they do that, you say you'll forgive and you'll put them back there on the battle. And they can be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. May we all desire that. And may someday when we face you, our commander, we'll hear you say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Bless we pray in the invitation, if someone has never trusted Jesus, may today be the day of faith for them. We pray in his name. Amen.